0: Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I am going to be joined tonight by my co-hosts, Alex Barallo and Dylan Terman. Dylan is with us now. Alex will be on shortly. Dylan,
2: how are you feeling? Doing well, Glenn. Uh, it's been a roller coaster of emotions as a Jets fan for the last sixty to seventy-two hours with this coaching search. But um, so far, I mean, everything seems okay.
0: Yeah, and you know, no, no, no teams have made a hire yet, um, <clears throat> and I get that we're all getting a little bit antsy. I um I I did a, a few minutes last night, Dylan, just to kind of let folks know where we were at, and the you know we all know they had Salah came in and left the building, went to Philly, which I don't think was planned actually. Uh, I saw a short clip from Pete Schrager from NFL.com or NFL Network saying that uh, Salah left the Jets interview and got a call telling him there's a, there's a private jet waiting to bring you to Tampa or to, to, to Palm Beach where Jeffrey Lurie, the mm-hmm. Eagles' owner, lives. They'd like to fly you down there for an interview. But anyway, Salah leaves. Um, to me, it wasn't a good look. I feel like the Jets, you know, if, uh, of course, I'm working on the assumption that the Rich Seminis and the Ian Rappaports of the world – who were telling us that this is the front runner and the Jets want Conor Rogers as well. I know Connor isn't as plugged in as those guys. But you got Connor Rogers, Ian Rapport, Rich Cimini, all saying he's the top guy. The Jets want to get something wrapped up today. So going off the assumption that they're correct, then to me it's the Jets had their guy in the building and they let him leave, which is bad. And it's something the Jets mm-hmm. have done many times before. Um, that Cliff would be Kingsbury, me. Yes. And and that would bother me if if that were the case, not because Mm -hmm. I'm sold on Salah, but because it just shows the Jets failed to seal the deal on the guy they wanted. So it's sort of incompetence on their end. And I said last night, I, I honestly don't know how I feel about any of these candidates anymore. I just my thing coming into this was please bring in a guy who has been a head coach somewhere and had some success. Of course, I you know mm-hmm. being honest about it, that would mean going into the college ranks, getting a Pat Fitzgerald, um, you know wh- whether it's him, whether you know as you know as I said, Monken's out of the picture, but that was a guy I wanted, uh, but Campbell, who some you know some people thought the Jets would go after him, it seems there wasn't even an off or, or not even a request or not a request, but not an interview. I don't think Campbell interviewed with anybody, which is fair enough. But I just. How many times do I have to watch this team bring somebody in, bring in a hot shot coordinator? Listen, when they got Todd Bowles, I was over the moon. I thought, well, this is it. This is the guy. He was just named the best assistant coach in the NFL. Voted top coordinator in the league. He's a disciplinarian. Like, this is what we need. Rex Rex was a little too loose. Now we bring in a guy who has the reputation as a defensive genius. He's going to be a disciplinarian. He was no different. He was a quieter version of Rex. His defenses didn't exactly. show up in big spots. He didn't. There was no discipline. No And you know, Mangini, Oh, Mangini can't go wrong. Young, hot shot, super brainy coordinator. Cut his teeth under Bill Belichick. Followed him from Cleveland to New England. This guy's got the resume. He's got the pedigree. He's got the brains. He's he's schematic. He's gonna be this. He's gonna be that. No good. Like how many times am I gonna get excited? About a hotshot coordinator who's never done this job before. I mean, yeah. Listen, I'll be optimistic when they hire whoever the hell they hire. But uh, you know, the, the bottom line is, whoever they bring in, we're not gonna. We'll know nothing because we have nothing to go on. You know, even if you bring in an Arthur Smith, I tweeted out last night. I, you know, if they hire him, you gotta wonder: is do they go with Najee Harris in the with that second first round pick or their first pick in the in the, in the second round? Uh, yep. And, and try to recreate what he had in Tennessee. And somebody rightfully said to me, you know, well, why do we assume he's going to do that? And, you know, my response is because that's, that's, that's all he's done so far. But in fairness to the guy, he's only been a coordinator for two years. Like two seasons right. of being a coordinator under his belt. And, yes, he had Derrick Henry, so he rode Derrick Henry, which he should have done. But what if it turns out that without Derrick Henry, he's not that good? You know, I, I, I spent, I've, I've mentioned a couple times on the show before those old Tampa Bay Buccaneers teams, the one that won the Super Bowl and the ones before that, those defenses were some of the best defenses you'll ever see in your life. And Monty Kiffin, their defensive coordinator was a genius until those guys were gone. And then it turned out he wasn't a genius anymore. And, you know, you look at Robert Sala in San Francisco, four years, defensive coordinator, two years in the bottom 10. Then you add, hey, who knew? You add uh, Nick Bosa to your defense and a couple of big-name D-linemen. Right, yeah. I mean, they the have some chip horses. Piece here and there, yep. They have some horses on that D-line. That front seven in San Francisco is phenomenal. Richard Sherman, who's, you know, probably a couple years ago, was better than he got credit for. Not what he used to be, but still a good player. So, Robert Sala, bottom 10, bottom 10, upgrades with a bunch of superstars. All of a sudden, he's top 10. And then this year he was 18th or whatever. But really, again, in fairness to Sala, I believe he was second uh, or top five in the NFL this year in yards allowed, which really he should get a lot of credit for because, listen, the injuries they had were just just ridiculous. They lost everybody. I mean, they, they were playing with nobody. Yeah. <laughs> um, similar to what I was saying about Doug Peterson in Philly where, you know, Jesus, I hope that's not why the Jets are being quiet. I hope Joe Douglas is oh, on the phone yeah. with Doug Peterson. Don't
2: scare me we're now.
0: Working something out behind the scenes. The next, sometime in the next hour, we're going to hear Doug Peterson agrees to terms with the Jets. Uh, I'm not I don't trying think to Joe speak. Joe Douglas that into is in a
2: position to. Yeah, I was going to say I don't think Joe Douglas is in a position to hand out favors to Doug Peterson, but I, I would hope that that's the furthest from the truth right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so okay, so l- let's get into it. um I know you like Salah. Again, I don't dislike it. I, I'm just I'm like whatever. Yeah, bring a coach in, right? Hopefully, Really, at this point, I think we've seen enough of these across the league. You're just guessing. You're guessing. You're yep. looking at what a guy did. Exactly. You're like, oh, I think he'll be good. Oh, turns out he wasn't.
2: So, hopefully the yep.
0: Jets guess right Face this value, time. Hope- and
2: that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, hopefully Joe Douglas is a better guesser than Christopher Johnson and, and, uh, and uh, Woody Johnson. I almost said Randy Johnson. Uh, you know, Woody Johnson. Let's hope Joe Douglas is better at guessing. Who will be a better, who will be a good head coach? But you know, go a little bit more into Sala. What your thoughts are on him, and what you think of Arthur Smith? As I said, um, I just feel like two years as an OC is like it's it's just really surprising. And and well, we'll get into this after. We'll get into the the Tannehill, what he did there, and what that can mean mm-hmm. for Darnold.
2: The other thing that surprises me about Arthur Smith, I'll start with him, is that all of his. Uh, NFL experience he's only been with the Titans so he has well I guess Washington for two years as a defensive quality assistant but uh, since 2011 he's only been with the Titans so that kind of makes me nervous as well like he's only been in one organization where his solace traveled to multiple different stops and met people along the way that could develop a coaching staff around him so I mean there's not too much like history on uh, Arthur Smith that I like obviously I like the the player development side of what he's been able to do in Tennessee with like you know Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Johnny Smith those types of offensive weapons and I think that they could kind of bring a similar mold to the Jets if that was the choice but ultimately I think what's going to separate them is how like well the staff can be put together and I mean the rumors are that Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniels are going to be the the coordinators that almost anybody takes with them but you know there's only two of them so only two head coaches are going to get to bring those guys along and if the Jets hire one of the guys and they don't get to bring one of those two guys I think it's going to be a real miss, at least from my perspective and that's what I really liked about Sala was it was a two for one you get the defensive guy in Sala who can rally the troops he can get you to play with some fire under your ass and then you get the offensive guy as well with McDaniels or LaFleur so to me, I always thought that was the top cut option, uh, like the top option for the Jets, but um, I mean, the enemy's still in play, so I mean, there's so many different options that this team can go in, where hopefully Joe Douglas is smarter than people like you and I that are just speculating here. But right now, I mean, the options look good at face value, but again, we won't know until a year and maybe a year and a half down the road once these teams finally get to see what this coach can do.
0: Yeah, and just a quick side note, uh, Salah did play tight end in college. So um, he's got some offensive background before he went to the defensive side, which I love. That was was one of the biggest reasons I like Matt Rule, other than the fact, you know, the obvious Matt Rule coached at two different major programs, turned both of them around. Mm -hmm. Um, He had experience on both sides of the ball. And for the Jets, saying they're looking for a guy. And, you know, that was the other thing, the other area where Todd Bowles was no different than Rex. You know, it was supposed to be all – to the, paint, the, offense, yep. the, new, the new guy is going to do that. The new guy didn't do that. Same guy. Um, and from like I said, I Todd, Todd McVay, Bowles is a quiet sorry, version. But... What's that?
2: No, I was going to say, just from what I've heard uh, from McVeigh and other little videos here and there, is that Salah is in all the offensive meetings. And if he goes to Salah with, like, an offensive plan or something, Sala's is right there, lockstep with him, thinking with the same mind. So I always think that he's had – a little bit of both sides of experience, even though he's predominantly the defensive coordinator.
0: Right, right. And uh this just not not Jets news, but uh Adam Schefter just tweeted Urban Meyer officially uh Jaguars. It new is a Yep. Yeah, uh, which was expected. Uh I don't exactly, think that means he's yep. taking fields. I don't he never coached fields, they weren't there at the same time. Nope. And uh I saw nope. one quote from Urban about Trevor Lawrence, I don't know when it was, but Urban basically said this dude is the best quarterback in college football ever. Um, So don't, don't get, don't get your hopes up, Jets fans, but sorry. So go ahead. Um, Your thoughts then um, moving on from Salah, what are your thoughts? I mean, other
2: than, other than, other than Salah, I mean, I like Arthur Smith. He didn't really, when I tried to rank them as best I could on Twitter just to kind of get a perspective on it. I I had Arthur Smith pretty low at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I was rather ready for the team to take swings on guys like Joe Brady or um, even Brandon Staley from, from the Rams. I was excited to see those names come up in the coaching cycles. But, I mean, these guys, Salah and Smith, they've been in the cycle before. You heard Sala's name last year, possibly the year before that even. And then you heard Smith's name last year. So, I mean, it's kind of the inevitable that one of these guys goes. I mean, I hope if the Jets choose one of these two options that they are the correct option. Again, time will tell. But Smith ended up kind of low on my board.
0: Yeah, he was a guy that, uh, like I said, the two things that worried me were inexperience and the, the, you know, leaning so heavily on one player to carry the offense. But I will say, um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, as far as what you were saying that, it worried you that he only worked with one team. The reason I like that is because it tells me that even though there were turnover and coaches were getting fired, that everyone who came in thought he was good enough at his job to keep him around. Um, Because as we know, when coaches, when new coaches come in, they like to clean house and bring in all their own people. So anyone that managed to hang, hang behind and and keep working with the staff through multiple regimes. um, I always think that's a good sign so that, you know, you could look at that two different ways. But you're right, it, you know, for a guy who's only been a coordinator for two years and who has only worked with one organization, there is that concern of, you know, what, what's his Rolodex going to look like, as they say, when he's got to put a staff together, how many different coaching staffs, how many different people has he been exposed to that he would uh, be able to assemble his staff. And mm-hmm. listen, we, we may find out, we may not. I think, like I said, I think there will be more interviews I think uh, they probably want. Uh, I think Dabble's still in the picture. I think you know enemy Someone's and people keep saying it about enemy kind of beating it to death. And I can't remember if I said it on here the other day or if I tweeted it out. Just a, just a random thought. But I, I really think what is going to have to do if he doesn't get a head coaching job this time around, he, he's going to have to go out on his own. He's going to have to go be a coordinator somewhere not under Andy Reid. Um and show sure, yeah, because you know like the difference. I pointed it out last night. Like, people say, oh, you know, how how come the Buffalo offensive coordinator is such a hot candidate, but the Kansas City offensive coordinator with the better results isn't the hot candidate? And and the difference to me is the guy in Kansas City is working under an offensive head coach who we all know is calling at least most of the plays, whereas in Buffalo, the offensive coordinator is working a defensive head coach, so he's calling all the plays. And he went, you know, you see where Josh Allen – went from what he was to what he is. You're not going to get as much credit with Patrick Mahomes because the guy was just, he, he was so great right out of the gate. You know, he, he was that guy that, you know, the, the questions about Patrick Mahomes coming out of college were more level of competition, you know, crazy, wild, unorthodox arm angles. Is that sustainable in the NFL? Whereas Josh Allen was oftentimes this guy can't hit the side of a barn. So he was the yeah, much yeah. bigger project. And his improvement from rookie year to now is just astronomical. Um, where, yes, Mahomes is the better player, better results. I get all that. But I think it's the fact that one guy you know is doing the, the play calling on his own and the other guy is calling the play sometimes. under. And, and Patrick Mahomes yeah. even said um, about the enemy, I don't know when the quote was, but I saw a quote the other day. where He, I mean, he was praising Eric the Enemy. Um, but he said, you know, he's a guy who's involved in the play calling. So, to me, involved means, okay, you're, you're part of the conversation. You're contributing. You're not saying the guy's not doing anything, but he's not the guy. And sometimes that matters. We also
2: that heard Dow Loggins was involved in the play calling this season. Exactly. So, funny it, those, funny those enough, I think that was the exact thing.
0: Yeah, I think funny enough, I think when I heard that, that was my exact response. I said, oh, like Dow Loggins was, was kind of involved or kind of calling the plays. So
2: Yeah, exactly. I think
0: the enemy has to kind of go out on his own and show that he is the guy and get results. And I think if he does that for one year, he'll get a job and people are going to go, okay, it wasn't just because of Andy Reid; Like this guy can actually do that job. Um, and he still might right. look, there's seven openings. He's still, he's still uh, in the playoffs, So like a lot of these guys, he's, he's not, uh, he's not someone who's going to be doing interviews right now, but I think uh, between devil, b enemy, b enemy, as I've said from the outset is the one that would worry me most because he's on the strongest staff. It's almost like, when Mike Pettin was a hot candidate under Rex Ryan, I shouldn't even say a hot candidate, but when he got a job, I was like, really? Like, do you really think this guy was calling the plays with Rex? I mean, I know Rex used to say that he would let Dennis Thurman and Pettin call some plays, but that was Rex's defense. And if they called something he didn't like, I have no doubt he would overrule them. So really when you're saying let's hire Mike Pettin, because he was was the defensive coordinator for the number of whatever defense in the NFL. No, he wasn't. He was the coordinator. Rex is calling the plays. And Rex is going to overrule anything he didn't like. So uh, I kind of put it in that category. When you're working under, you know, as I say, when you're a coordinator under a head coach who coached the same side of the ball you do, I'm always going to wonder, and everyone's going to wonder, how much calling are you actually doing? And when Mahomes said that, you know, he's involved in play calling. That tells me it's a collaborative, like Andy lets him have some input. I'm sure, Andy lets him call plays in certain situations, but. If Mahomes had come out and said, look, when I have that damn headset on and I look over the sideline or whatever, like, Eric's the guy making the calls. I'd be like, oh, okay, all right then. But, I'm, I mean, hell, I know from watching Chiefs games that Andy Reid's the guy with, He's the, not always, yeah. with, with the headset yep. calling in the place. So, <clears throat> is the enemy still in the picture? He might be. Um, is he a guy I want? But, listen, I'm not, I'm not thrilled over any of these guys. I mean, really um, – Salah might be of the two. I would I would take him over Smith, but neither one is uh has me doing backflips. But that's just kind of where we are at the moment. The Jets. So I think so. I think I could uh,
2: move Bienemy up my board a little bit. I would move Bienemy up my board a little bit if there was an actual hope of the Jets landing a trade for Deshaun Watson. I think most Jets fans would put Bienemy at the top of their board if Deshaun Watson was coming along. But, yeah, it's really tough with the enemy because you don't visibly see the, the player development in Kansas City year in and year out like you have with O'Brien Dable. Yeah, and the other guy, I'm,
0: I'm surprised, kind of disappointed that he hasn't come in for another interview. And I said it the other day, um, and you recall, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, Brandon Staley with the Rams, at the beginning of this process, I said he was, he was my last choice. Too many, you know, mm-hmm. too much of his defense was, was built around Aaron Donald, uh, you know, an, an absolute game record. Arguably, the best player in the NFL, really, him and Pat Mahomes. Um, but when I saw what his defense did to Russell Wilson when Aaron Donald was out of the game, I thought, you know, it's a, we're only talking a, a, a half of football, but they didn't miss a beat. That that no, defense at just at kept all. coming. So I felt like, all right, this guy, you know, maybe maybe there's something to him. And then, you know, I I, I read a couple pieces on him. I spoke with. Um, with Scott from Turn on the Jets, who I, I speak with from time to time offline, and uh, he, he said, hey, man, look, look at some of the homework I've done on this guy, and th- it was actually, funny enough, it was like an hour before that game, and I said to him, I said, oh, I'll, I'll take that on board, but this guy worries me because of the fact that he, you know, so much is, is predicated on, on you know, the, the couple superstars he has to work with, and then hours later, Aaron Donald comes out of the game, and his defense just keeps coming and keeps smothering and shutting mm-hmm. down that Seahawks offense, which is obviously no joke. So I would love to see him in for another interview. So we'll, we'll see where this goes. Joe Brady is a name we've heard. I, listen, he might be the next great one. I don't know, but man, is this, the thought of a thirty-one-year-old head coach just scares the hell out of me. It's tough. And we oh, are yeah. joined now by our our fellow host, Alex Varallo. Alex, how you doing, buddy?
1: Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, sorry for Would, my tardiness tonight. Uh, listen, listen, you got to do or? what you got
0: to do. We, we've, we've shared our thoughts on the Salah situation. Arthur Smith coming in for his interview. Alex, what are your thoughts on both guys? Do you think the Jets wanted Salah and dropped the ball? That's my that, – I believe that happened. I can't say I know what happened. That doesn't mean they won't reach out again and, and re you know, go, take another step toward whatever they, they couldn't reach the other day. But what are you, what are your thoughts on each guy alex uh
1: yeah, it's really interesting. It seems like the uh pressure meters being dialed up uh, for the front office in new york uh, you know don't really know too too much about these guys as far as you know the types of schemes they run and things like that, but you know Sala is a very very well uh, spoken of coach when it comes to the defensive aspect to the game and uh you know you have heard the uh motto before defense wins championships. So I've got no problem at all bringing in somebody that, uh, you know, can implement a a really, really tough, gritty defense, kind of like what we saw a couple of years ago when San Francisco was competing in the Super Bowl. So uh, I'd really like to, uh, you know, I, I, I would have been fine had they secured a deal with Salah. You know, maybe this is, you know, what we've heard in the past, uh, you know the Jets doing their diligence uh, by trying to get as many interviews done as possible. Uh, it really did seem as if you know when the second interview came down the wire, um, you know things were really looking like something was going to be uh, you know put put on paper. Uh, but clearly uh, he walked. Uh, don't know if that means that he denied it or perhaps he wants solid wants to do his diligence uh, by seeing what the Eagles have to offer. And, and, you know, more than likely he might have, you know, another team that's possibly an interest too. So uh, I guess in this industry, if you have a job, uh, you keep it until you get a better offer. So maybe the Jets offer was not, um, you know, good enough for him to make the change. Uh, Possibly he's just, wants to see what his opportunities are elsewhere, because let's be honest, um, no team in this uh, in the NFL, maybe besides, you know, Jacksonville at this point, uh, requires more work and a really, really uh, formidable game plan like the New York Jets. Uh, both sides of the ball are pretty much a nightmare. And, you know, it's a lot to handle for a new coach coming into this market, um, you know, a lot of people talk about, is this job appealing? And, you know, there's a lot of mixed opinions about, you know, if the Jets job is something that, you know, a young coach or a college coach or a coordinator wants to come into and say, all right, this is my opportunity to show the NFL that I have what it takes. Um, but maybe the Jets are just a little too much of a liability. Um, so that could be a factor too. Um, as far as Arthur Smith, uh, another guy that's really spoken um, highly of in the league. Um, You know, Glenn, I think you put it best last night that uh, if he gets hired, you'd probably expect to see us running the ball 30, 40 times a game without failure. Uh, So that's kind of a little bit of an old school mentality. I've never had a problem with being a run first team, uh, just as long as you've got the playmakers and the receivers to, uh, you know, move the ball down the field when you're, you're working the play action side. So, I like both candidates. I'd be completely fine um, with if it came down to one of these two guys. Uh, but at the moment, you know, we'll, we'll just have to be a little bit patient and, and see what's in store for us because uh, I'm sure the Jets probably have, you know, some other guys that they'd probably like to, uh, you know, sit down with. But I know – I think the counts up to seven or eight interviews so far. So they've been busy. And, uh, yeah, possibly, you know, sooner than later, they might have somebody uh, in the head coaching seat.
0: Yeah, I think by nine count, they're up to uh, nine interviews. Nine? Um, okay. They interviewed Aaron Glenn, Arthur Smith, uh, Brandon Staley, Brian Dayball, uh, Matt Eberflus, the coordinator, the DC from Indy, Joe Brady and Salah, Marvin Lewis, and Eric um, What? Real quick, I wasn't going to get into this, but I, I kind of changed – uh, just, in, in in terms of not being a hypocrite, um, when I'm sure that, you know, I know myself, when I heard Marvin Lewis's name, I cringed, and I thought, oh, my God, what are you kidding me? Um, but then I kind of thought about it and said, you know what? I am the guy who's always saying that if you're going to hire a former head coach, which I am a fan of, let it be a guy who hasn't been a head coach for a couple of years, even a year. Like a guy who has had some time away from being a head coach to sit down at night and think, all right, what could I have done differently? Like, like when you're actively being a head coach, you don't have time to look back and, and reflect. Like you're always having to be ready now. But when you step away from that and you have some time to reflect and think, how can I get better? What did I do wrong? Um, and, and listen, as much as you know, whether whether we like it or not or whether Marvin Lewis likes it or not, he is kind of known as the guy who couldn't win a playoff game. Uh, but in fairness to him, if you look at the Cincinnati Bengals and the sort of 15 years of football before him compared to the 15 years after, he did turn that team around. They did win some division titles in a very tough division. Um, and he has had some time away. So I've, I'm not sitting here saying I want Marvin Lewis. Um, and I was talking to someone about this the other day. I've just... From Marvin Lewis, I've moved from, oh, God, please no, to, okay, I'll, I'll give it a chance. I'm not dead set against bringing in a guy who's been a coach. The only thing with Marvin Lewis, I think, is the age thing. He's like 65, 66. I don't know if you want a young, fired up, you know, the Robert Sala type. Um, but would you guys absolutely lose your minds if it was Marvin Lewis, or would you, would you uh, be a bit more receptive to that?
2: Um, Dylan, you want to take that one? Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. I think we were we were discussing this right before you came on, Alex. I I kind of ranked them on Twitter just to give myself some perspective on how I felt about the candidates, and I said that Arthur Smith was pretty low on my list. And I'm looking back on it right now, and he was actually number eight of the nine we interviewed with, and the only one below him was Marvin Lewis. So I think that that higher. While I kind of agree with you, I went from, oh, God, no, to, okay, I'm kind of lukewarm about it. I think he can bring, you know, the the leadership and the discipline aspect, but the no playoff wins, despite having the seventh, seventh most wins in history as a coach, I think that says a lot about the the finished product that he can put on the field at the end of each season, I think he can get there, but he can never get over the hump. So that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, So ultimately I don't think I'd be, I'd be over the moon with the hire, but I think if they pull the Doug Peterson or one of those type hires out of the woodworks that they've been quiet about, I think Marvin Lewis would look like a good hire. Alex.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I, I didn't realize I muted myself. Um, uh, yeah. We've yeah, all I'm been there. hundred. <laughs> yeah. I didn't drop. I know we're <laughs> I mean, thinking blog talk. There was a curveball there. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm not too crazy about Marvin Lewis, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I think he's a good person and, you know, I think he's got a lot of respect of the players from, from that Cincinnati organization for his time that he's been there. Uh, but I do feel that at times there are, was a little bit of dysfunction with certain players that they had. And, uh, you know, the uh, postseason record definitely is pretty alarming for somebody that, uh, you know, has been in the league as long as he has been. And, you know, I'm sure he's not the only coach out there that doesn't have any playoff wins. But I just kind of feel that we might need to transition into a format that is more of a 2021 version Uh and I can't tell you exactly what that is, but more or less, um, that it's not more that than the of these, Yeah, the way the generation is, and with these young players, and you know, the the game has changed a lot with the way people handle themselves on the field and off the field, and how players use their platform and things like that. So, um, I kind of feel that we probably could use you know some, some maybe some younger blood uh, to try to rejuvenate. Um, what we have in this organization, and I'm just not sure if, you know, Marvin Lewis would be the guy that could, could bring us to the level that we want this team to be at. Um, I could be wrong. You know, that's my personal opinion on it. Um, like I said, he, he's a good guy. He's got a lot of respect from everyone in the league. I just don't know if that would be a great fit for us. And uh, knowing my luck, you know, that'll probably be the guy that gets the job.
0: Yeah, and like I said, and here's a – I run into this all the time, whether it's having a conversation with someone about something, whether it doesn't matter what it is, anything. I feel like when you when you pitch something as a possibility just to get an opinion, people take it as endorsement. Like, I'm not saying I want Marvin Lewis to be the next head coach in the New York Jets. Um, I'm simply saying I'm more open to it now than I was before. He's, he's way down on my list. I do want one of the younger guys. And I think that's the direction the Jets are getting up going. Like I said, Joe Brady, I mean, again, he's not only, not only the, the no head coaching experience, it's the so little experience as coordinators. Joe Brady, passing game coordinator at LSU for a year, OC with the Panthers for a year, boom, you're going to make him your head coach at 31 years old. Um, again, Salah, you know, at least he's got four years under his belt. But, you know, Smith, two years as a coordinator. But listen, Herm Edwards wasn't the worst coach in the world, and he came in as a position coach. He wasn't even a defensive coordinator. He was a secondary coach with the Bucks. Um, and Like Aaron Glenn, I love the guy, one of my favorite Jets of all time. I hope that whoever they hire, I hope they bring Aaron Glenn with them as a defensive coordinator if he'd be willing to take that job. Um, I, I saw a headline that said that, you know, Aaron Glenn still, uh, to this day stays in touch with Bill Parcells as a mentor to be a head coach. I know he's been a a coach for, for, you know, five, six, seven years now. So Aaron Glenn is a guy I would love to see as a head coach eventually. And I would love to see him as a Jets head coach. And part of me the other day was like, screw it. If you're going to go with somebody who's inexperienced, go with the guy who's being mentored by Bill Parcells for the past few years. You know what I mean? That's probably as good as anything uh, some of these other coaches are doing. So, you know, disciplined guy, really good player, really good character. Um, yeah, I, Aaron Glenn would be a roll of the dice, but I'd kind of be like, all right, you could do a lot worse than that. Um, so, you know, he, he was the, the one of the names that came in as somebody who was probably the least experienced, but still got an interview with the Jets. But what I wanted to talk about next, fellas, I, what, one thing I want to touch on, um, as ridiculous as some people are saying it is, what do you make of these, this talk of how Deshaun Watson in Houston is now going to shoot his way out of town because he's so upset over the way the Texans are going about finding a head coach and will the Jets get it? I'm seeing people say, give them four first round picks. I'm like, Jesus, that's a lot. But then at the same time, you're like, well, if that's what it took, and you're getting that quarterback, which I don't think is going to happen. I think time is going to heal all wounds. He's going to be a Texan next year. Houston might even throw some more money in his contract just to make him happy. Here's another $10 million. Sorry we didn't check with you on the hire. Um, but what do you make of these rumors that I think – you know, I saw a Houston beat writer tweeted out the other day. He said he's got as good a chance of being named the next head coach as Deshaun Watson does being traded. I think he's right. I don't think a trade happens, but let's say the Texans are taking offers. What are you, as a Jets fan, willing to offer to get Deshaun Watson?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll uh, go first here. Um, you know, I, I had talked, I tweeted about this when it was kind of an active trending uh, topic on Twitter, and I think some people kind of mistook me wrong, saying like I, I wouldn't want to. Um, have Deshaun Watson on my team. And I love the concept of having an all-pro quarterback. I, I think that's the game plan whenever you pick a free agent or a draft uh, rookie or whomever. You want somebody that's going to, you know, hit their ceiling. Uh, my concern with it, like you said, Glenn, is w- would four first-round picks be enough? Um, you know, I think about the compensation that the Jets got for Jamal Adams, and he was a safety. Um, you know, we got... Couple ones, a three, a five, and a player. That's a lot of commodities for safety. You know, Jamal is one of the best safeties in the league. That that's you know, we all know that. But um, you know, when you're talking about a quarterback that just led the NFL in passing yards, and um, you you look at his stats and and you look at everything that he's done in the league, and and mentally, um, he he's extremely gifted at the at the position. Um, you know, he he schools. these uh, these beat guys um, that that ask him questions during the press conferences with how he sees the field and the way he breaks down plays. And it's extremely impressive to to see the mental side of the game with a player like him. But again, if we were to make a trade like that, um, it would probably be something comparable to uh, what the Nets just did to get Harden. you know, we probably wouldn't be seeing a first round pick maybe until like 2026 or 2027. And, when you put that much into a player and, you know, you're supposed to build through the draft, um, you're pretty much just throwing that whole game plan out the window. And then you got to hope that everything, you know, works out well with with this player that you've just invested into. So I love the idea of of having a player like that. Um, You know, that would be one less position to worry about, the most important position to worry, you know, not to be concerned of. But at the same time, I think that the – consequences for not having you know premium picks for the future could be detrimental to this organization in the long term and we've seen what happens with you know good quarterbacks that don't have enough support around them to be effective and uh, that that is not a winning recipe at all so I love the idea of having a Dreshaun Watson on this team but I am concerned and I don't think that if I were the GM of this team, I don't know if I'd be willing to uh, give up all my commodities this year, next year, and possibly three years down the line um, for a player like that, even though, you know, he would be awesome.
2: And, yeah, what? I think I, I, share, I share a similar thought process with Alex on that one. Um, it's going to take a lot – It's going to take a lot of draft picks and probably even more than what we're already thinking about in our heads to actually go out and acquire a Deshaun Watson type player who's arguably top five, top three when you factor in age at the position and he's a quarterback. So the price is already jacked up there. And just looking at what he's currently at with the Texans is a team that's depleted of talent, depleted of draft picks that seems like it's going nowhere. And for a team, per se, like the Jets or the Jaguars, who have the draft capital capital as well as the money, if they go out and trade for him, he's basically leaving a situation to inherit a situation that's the same. Lack of draft picks because they just gave them up to acquire him, plus lack of – just talent. I mean, the Jets and the Jaguars don't have talent. We can go back and forth on this for days. Which team looks more appealing on page? They're not appealing, either one of them. So I don't think the trade would even make sense to him. I think if he was to move, he would want to go to a contender that already has talent to mitigate the lost draft capital it would take to, uh, to acquire him. I mean, I would love him as a fan. I think all fans would You know, four years down the road, if the Jets are a consistent playoff team with Deshaun Watson, they'd forget about all the draft picks that they lost to give him up. Because hindsight, you know, you don't really care what the compensation is if it all works out. But it's too too risky for all sides to try to come to an agreement. So I think he ultimately stays put. But the the dream was alive and well for three days in the Jets, and it was fun. But it's going to die, and he's probably going to stay in Houston.
0: And now speaking of quarterbacks, I wanted to move on to, you know, something that's kind of the elephant in the room in terms of Arthur Smith. If he is the guy, are the Jets looking at Arthur Smith and saying, well, look what he did for Ryan Tannehill. And again, Tannehill was, Tannehill wasn't a bad player in Miami. He just became a much better player under Smith in Tennessee. Did the Jets look at him and say, can he fix Sam Darnold? And when I say, this is something we haven't talked about, guys. And at least I, I you know, I don't feel like we have. We've talked about, did the Jets hire someone to fix Sam Darnold? Did they, is it, is it going to be a QB guru? Is it going to be a guy who's got a history of developing quarterbacks? In terms of this second pick, and in terms of fixing Sam Darnold, do we, is it, do we have to wonder, like, how we're going to define fix? Like, if Arthur Smith comes in and says, or any, any head coach, because as we know, the new head coach is going to have some say with Donald. If the new head coach comes in and says, listen, I am never going to get this kid to play to the level of his draft slot. He was drafted in a spot where he should be one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm never going to get him there. However, I can get him to be slightly above average. So if he's slightly above average, let's use all the let's use these, you know, four, five top 100 picks on O-linemen and receivers and help him get there and then build it. Because, again, you can – it's tougher to do. But you can win a Super Bowl with, with a good quarterback. Brad Johnson with the Bucks wasn't great, but they needed a great defense. Nick Folk – I mean, listen, or, or not Nick Folk. Uh, the Philadelphia Nick. Foles. 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 Nick Foles was great on, you know, on Super Bowl Sunday. But he's not, he's not a great quarterback. So does a coach come in and say, let's keep Sam because I'm looking at Justin Fields, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at anybody not named Trevor Lawrence, and I don't see any of them being that much better than what I can get Sam to be. So rather than blow a second-round pick for a marginal upgrade, possibly, how about we use those picks on the pieces around him, and just to improve the roster top to bottom. Um, is Smith a guy? D- do you think the jets view him as someone who can improve Donald the way he did Tannehill? And if you're Smith, how much better do you think Donald has to be or how good does Donald have to be for you to win with him? Alex, let's go to you first on that one.
1: Okay. Uh, you know that's an interesting thing, and and today um, I saw the the media clip on Chris Ballard uh, from yes that uh, was a great an quote cult. and very true and you know his, his the point that he brought up is is basically the way I feel about our situation with our quarterback here um, and I think about a new head coach and you know regardless if he's an offensive guy or defensive guy. Um, you know, who his coordinator is going to be, who his quarterback coach is going to be. And, you know, what is easier to work with when you come into the fold here? Is it easier to work with a quarterback that had, that has had his feet wet and he's, you know, got three years of experience underneath his belt, things haven't gone well, but there's still time to try to right the wrongs. And will it be quicker to implement their system and their scheme with somebody that has, you know, a little bit of experience. You know, Darnold doesn't have, you know, a ton of experience, but it's going to be a lot more than possibly, let's just say, Zach Wilson or, you know, Justin Fields or whomever might be the the probable quarterback at number two if that's the route that they go. Um, Because you have to anticipate the rookie lumps. Um, You can't expect playoffs and things like that, even though, you know, they say that's the goal. Um, we've seen, um, you know, young quarterbacks come into this league and just, you know, all the stars align and everything just works out great. And we've also seen a lot of first-round picks come into bad situations and just struggle. And, you know, like Chris Ballard said, the first guy that's out the door is, is the head coach or the coordinator or, you know, the ax must fall somewhere um, when those situations occur. So it's just really, really interesting, Um to see, you know, when we get this hire done, who's who's going to be the guy that, you know, is going to make this decision and where are they going to come from? You know, will they feel that it's easier to work with Darnold? And, you know, do they have a plan in place? Um, You know, or maybe, you know, Darnold is too far gone and saying, you know, there's not much that I can really do here because he's developed a lot of poor habits and it might be better for me to work with somebody young and fresh and new like a, you know, a piece of clay that I can mold into where I want them to be, you know, that might be more advantageous. So really, really tough scenario here. Um, you know, all these guys are competitors, so I'm sure no one's going to, you know, say that they're, they're going to back down from the challenge. But, you know, that really, really um, is what keeps me on the fence here is that can you go ahead um, and are you willing to basically put your career, your, your job on the line and continue with with Sam Darnold who struggled or do you want to take the risk of bringing on a rookie QB and then rolling the dice with that because you know sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but at the end of the day you know at this in this league in this game if you don't produce and and you can't you know prove to the fans and and put up good good numbers and have a winning percentage at the end of the year and be competing you know right now in the postseason, um, you will see the, the door, you know, quite fast like Adam Gase did. So, that is like super intriguing to me and, you know, that little media clip that I saw from him today is basically how I feel about it. You know, great to go go, go out and get a first-round quarterback, but there's a big difference between just getting a quarterback and getting the right person for it. Um, so, that's, you know, very intriguing to me and, it would be interesting, you know, if, if this guy comes in here and says, look, give me a year with Arnold, Let me see if I can figure this thing out and then we can move forward. Or, you know, maybe, you know, let's just pull the bandaid off. Let's start new. And, you know, if it works out, it'll be for, you know, the next five to 10 years or otherwise, you know, this new regime that comes in, um, you know, could be gone within a couple of years.
0: Alex, you had something – no, I'm sorry, Alex, Dylan, you had something you wanted to bring up, correct?
2: Uh, yeah, I just had a question regarding the, the coaching search that I wanted to throw at you guys and get your, your opinions on it. Um, just just with, like, all the teams, because, you know, there's seven, eight teams that need a, a coach or a GM. Now that two have hired a GM in the Texans and the Lions, do you think – Obviously the Jaguars are off the table now, but do you think that the hiring of those GMs is going to kind of accelerate the shot clock on the Jets to get in uh, get a deal done with the coach that they want now because there's going to be a little bit more competition?
0: I think, you know, I think the thing that that makes it so cloudy and so uncertain is not knowing how many guys in the playoffs they are prioritizing. There could be a guy that mm-hmm. we're disregarding or that we're we're sort of talking about on the peripheral who might actually be their top choice. Uh, but as far as, you know, bringing in new GMs, yeah. Listen, as teams get moving, as stuff starts happening, you don't, you don't want to get caught scrambling and not get one of the guys you want. I mentioned it last night, guys, I, and I, can't, I don't think I mentioned it on the show last week. Um, the, the way that Todd Bowles hiring unfolded was basically the Jets wanted Dan Quinn. He was their top choice. Mm-hmm. Bowles was their number two. Quinn was still in the playoffs, and Bowles was still getting interviews. And the Jets, they let Bowles walk out. They really liked him. They found out that Arthur Blank was putting Bowles on a plane to come to Atlanta. And they said, you know what? If this guy signs with the Falcons, and then our top choice decides he doesn't want to be here, and he gets a job somewhere else, we're out. We lose both our top choices. So they said, better to get our second than lose out on our first and our second. So they make Bowles this offer, and they sign him. So sometimes circumstances dictate that you have to, you might have to be a little more aggressive than you would like, you know, as much as the Jets say, they want this to be an in-depth drawn out process. They might not have that luxury. If once one or two guys do get hired, you know, that's, what's going to matter. The Jets will be sitting pretty if, if one or two guys sign and neither of them are guys, they were prioritizing. Then it's like, Oh great. The pool's gotten smaller. There's only three or four teams looking for a coach. The two guys we want are still out there. But does that happen? Who knows? But I, I, I think that's a good point, though, Dylan, is as these GMs are getting right. hired and teams start moving forward with their off seasons, um, the pressure is going to be ratcheted up if you start seeing your guys um, either sign elsewhere or, or, you know, do enough interviews that you feel like the competition for this guy is getting really heavy. We got to we got to dial it up here. Um, what do you think, Alex?
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree um, with what you said there, Glenn. Um, I kind of feel that two years ago we really took our time and, and you know, we heard things like, oh, you know, we want to be thorough and we want to do this and that. And then, you know, we didn't really have a lot of great options, obviously, to work with. And the guy that we selected uh, was absolutely horrific. So, yeah, you know, it. You know, haste makes waste, as they say, and I I do want the Jets to to make sure that they bring in the right person here. But, you know, this league, uh, the NFL, not for long, you know, one guy's here today, he's gone tomorrow. And, you know, like you said, if if you have a top candidate that you really feel is the guy that's going to be able to do it, I think you just got to push your chips into the table and go all in. Uh, You know, the – you know, second-guessing yourself or, or waiting for more opportunities, you know, other teams are going to start making hirings. And, you know, Gris right off the wire, Urban Meyer, um, looks like it's been reported that, you know, he's going to be the yeah. new coach for, for the Jaguars. So, um, you know, there's one big name off the list. And, you know, probably within the next week or two, you're going to see some more um, vacancies get filled. So, uh, you know, the Jets really, really got to – um, put their heads together and, and make a decision on, on where they want to go and who, who's going to be the guy. And, um, you know, the, the sooner they do this, I think the better off we're going to be. Because, um, honestly, I, I can't sit here and say, you know, Coach A is going to be better than Coach B or Coach C or whatever <laughs> their choices are. It's really going to turn out to when they get in here, you know, how, uh, you know, effective can they be with their game plan And then when it comes to April, I mean, March and April, um, filling in the blanks for these big gaping holes that we have on this roster, I think that's what's really going to determine our future. But obviously uh, coaching matters, you know, heavily. And once we have the pieces in place, then we'll kind of know if if the the hirings that they made are the right guys to take these guys to the next level. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of, Um, things that have to connect in order for this whole thing to to turn out um, into our favor and and become the team that that we want them to be. Uh, But, yeah, I think the, uh, you know, the sand in the hourglass is is going and it's starting to get, you know, um, to a point to where the Jets are going to have to make a decision soon. And uh, the longer Mm -hmm. they wait, the more detrimental it can be.
0: All right, all valid points, Alex. Um, fellas, that that will wrap it up, unless you have anything to add. We've got just a few minutes here. We've covered the two multiple interview candidates, reviewed some of the guys that have also been brought in, mentioned a few guys who are still in the playoffs who could be in the picture. Um, actually, real quick. I got one question. Uh, oh, go for it, Come Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say real quick, on. The, I think the game of the weekend, a couple of great games this weekend, but uh, Buffalo and Baltimore and... Oh yeah. uh New, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, who do you like, who do you like in those games?
2: You go first though.
1: Um, You know, it's interesting. I, I, I do like um, the matchups for this weekend. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, really good time for the NFL. I'm glad that we've all made it to this point. Um, Cause I know there was a lot of doubts going into the earlier in the year with the pandemic, but um, you know, I, I have to say, I, I, I kind of like what Josh Allen's doing with the with the bills and and um, you know to be the best you got to beat the best and this kid is looking really good and and he's having a phenomenal year I think it would be really cool um, to see him do that and it adds for good competition in our conference uh, as far as um, what's the other matchup that you had mentioned one
0: the, uh, the Tom world. Brady against Drew Brees Actually, oh what, what, yes
1: what, grand, Grandpa what, versus uh, you we know, got four break, break games. Let's
0: let's do them. Let's say Bills, Ravens, Bucks, Saints, Chiefs, Browns, Packers, Rams. Who, who do we like in each game?
1: Hmm. I like the Pack. I like um, I like Kansas City. Um, let's see, and then between New Orleans and you know Tampa Tom versus Drew. I don't know. I, I kind of feel that we see different versions of both of those teams. Sometimes mm-hmm. we see the like stellar offense in Tampa that just comes out firing on all cylinders, and then we see Tom Brady that struggles a lot when you dial up the pressure meter. So um, I lean toward Drew Brees, but I can't deny all those weapons on Tampa. I think it's going to be a really really close game. But if I had to be a guessing man. Uh, I probably would say New Orleans at this point. All right. Who right. you got? Then
2: then for me, uh I have I would take the Packers over the Rams and Lambeau, despite the weather. I think the Packers will come out the better team. Um Buffalo and Baltimore, as much as I hate to admit it and I uh as a Jets fan it's really tough to say, but the Bills are killing it right now. So I think they as much as they have the upper hand on the, the Ravens, especially with the weather looming. Um, I think that the Ravens ultimately can pull this one out, so I'll go with the Ravens. And then I have, in the Battle of the Grandfathers, I would take Tom Brady because I'm pretty sure the Saints have beat the Bucks twice already this year, and I don't think Tom Brady loses to the same team three times ever. So I'm yeah. going to go with Tom Brady, unfortunately, there. And uh, the Chiefs and the Browns, uh, I mean, another team I hate to admit is playing lights out, but the Browns are killing it. I just think the Chiefs are a, a, a different force, so I'm going to have to go with Kansas City.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm going uh, Chiefs, Tampa, Green Bay, and I like Buffalo. I just think Buffalo is on mm-hmm. fire right now. I think their defense is going to do. You know, I mean, they're one of the. I think they're the, are they the top unit in the NFL. They're one of the top. Um, and they just, they're, I just feel like there was sm-
2: three. Yep.
0: Yeah, I think they're a smothering defense, and I think they're going to do a nice job against Lamar Jackson. So we will wait and see on that. And, Alex, before I jump in with games, I think it was you saying you had one more question. Yeah,
1: I just wanted to get your guys' quick opinion. Um, what would you guys think of that national championship game? And it seems like we could just talk about Fields since he's going to be something that he, somebody will be talking about later on. Do um, you think it was just too banged up um, from the previous game and that, that was kind of a, you know what held him back there? Or is this going to be like one of those prospects that just doesn't handle pressure well?
0: Yeah, I think that it's, I think when you take on board the two factors that one, the injury, he's absolutely still banged up and that Alabama defense is just, you know, unlike any other team in in college football. So I I didn't think Justin Fields was going to have a very good game. And I think that's more a product of playing Alabama with, without, you know, not being at full health and being kind of basically overmatched at almost every position on the field. So I'm not yeah. holding that against him. I think he's still a top guy, but I, you know, for the Jets, I think uh, not to get back into that conversation, but I think it's, I think the big thing is going to be, do they think that either of these quarterbacks can be that much better than Darnold? But the game itself, Alex, absolute snooze fest. It felt like it was a, an 85 point win, um, so it was pretty much mm-hmm. over by the half. But what are your thoughts, Dylan?
2: Uh, yeah, as it pertains to justice, I didn't really take this as like a really move the needle game. I didn't expect. The best highlight real finishes from him. I expected maybe a couple more passing yards here and there, but he broke off a couple of nice runs despite the injury. Um, I still think he's my QB2 when we get into the draft, but uh, I, I don't think it ultimately affects the national perception of him either. But the game itself, I mean, Devonta Smith is out of this world, so it's nice to see the yeah. offensive explosion. But yeah, it was over by halftime and it was kind of a snooze fest in the second half without Smith.
0: All right. Oh, it totally absolutely
2: good. was. And that'll wrap
0: things up for us. Al- did you, Alex, I can't wait. Did we let you say, give your thoughts? We got a couple minutes.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I basically, I, I'm not going to hold that game against him because I remember, you know, a month ago when he had that three interception game in the first half, you know, he was a second round quarterback and, and then he beat Trevor Lawrence in the uh, playoff game. And next thing you know, uh, people were talking about him going to Jacksonville overall, number one. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy on how one week can change from the next. Um, but like you guys said, uh, they just blew the doors off, and it, they, they just dominated them in every aspect of the field. And, and like you said, there's probably, um, you know, this Jets defense. I don't know if they would be as tough as that Alabama defense. But, um, yeah, it, it definitely seems lopsided, and, and hopefully, you know, college football – gets more balanced next year and and, you know that equates to uh you know better football for the fans Mm -hmm.
0: indeed it would be a win across the board and speaking of winning across the board if you're a business owner and you're looking to win across the board and managing all of your social media platforms check out our sponsor miles social miles social will manage all of your platforms tiktok instagram facebook twitter whatever it may be Check them out at milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E social, milesocial.com to manage all of your business's social media platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in this week, Jets fans. And hopefully, uh, if there is a hire, we will try to go live that day as soon as possible. Um, But if not, we will catch you next Tuesday, 630. Have a great time, Jets fans. Until next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at nyjetslife Life24. Until next time,
2: go Jets!